Second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 11 in just a few moments. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 11. When the Apostle Peter wrote these words, it is likely he was in his 60s or 70s, which would have been considered rather old in that time. Today, in society in general, the trend seems to be to slow down or to begin to slow down at that age, maybe retire, take it easy. Men like Paul and Peter had no such concept given the gravity and the urgency of their work as apostles of Christ in that early period. Peter's concern was not about his death in some personal sense. His concern was to do all the teaching, preaching, and writing he was able to do for the benefit of the next generation and ultimately for all who call upon the name of the Lord. Let's listen to what he wrote in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My question for us tonight is, can we do more? Can I do more? Can you do more? Can we do better? Can we add to our knowledge can we refine our self-control? Can we become more steadfast and attentive to our inner attitudes? Can we make our calling and election sure? I'm going to take us through some thoughts from Scripture tonight that bear upon the matter of doing better. 
And I'm going to start back in the book of Acts in chapter 9. And I'm going to read a lengthy passage, but it has great significance and benefit for us concerning the conversion of Saul of Tarsus, later known as the Apostle Paul. An enemy of Christ, persecutor of the church, guilty of blasphemy. But here's what happened. Acts 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, He approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you were persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, There was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately... He proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose 
to bring them bound before the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. In that last verse I read, can I point out two words? He increased. And it says, all the more in strength. This illustrates what should be true of every person converted to Christ from their conversion on. An increase in strength that continues uninterrupted throughout life. This is what the Apostle Paul would later write about in the book of Romans chapter 6. He would call it walking in newness of life. That's in the same context where he mentions being baptized into Christ. What comes after that? Walking in newness of life. This is what Peter was making reference to when he wrote about adding to your faith. I'm going to make this statement and then I'll explain. I will never get to a place where I can't do more. You will never get to that place where you are static. You can't do any more. Now, let me explain. Age may reduce capacity in some areas. But if your body is slow and feeble or almost immovable, your heart can still go forward and grow in faith and hope. Your attitudes and good affections can reach greater heights. Your prayers can have greater depth. We need to think about how critical it is to avoid being spiritually stationary spiritually stationary where you get to a place and you're static you stay there you're locked in the whole concept in the new testament of spiritual growth is the idea of movement improvement increase development doing more you have a sense of duty and zeal that just increases going forward to be stuck in a rut of ritual and routine takes us nowhere but down. So really, you don't become stationary. Because when you come stationary, stationary is decline. Stationary is decline. Saul of Tarsus increased all the more in strength. Baptism was only the beginning for this man. He was always seeking to do more, even, even as he wrote some of his final words. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, 
and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The implication in that last phrase is, if you love his appearing, if you anticipate his second coming, you'll be involved in getting prepared for that every single day. This man started, he continued, and he didn't let up as he responded to the grace of God and the Son of God. You can do more. I can do more. Philippians chapter 1. Paul was very close to the Christians in Philippi. And in this letter to them, that affection and care was obvious. He would issue statements of encouragement to them. For instance, in Philippians 1 verse 9, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. In Paul's letter to the Christians in Philippi, he did not say they were doing nothing. They were not spiritually stationary. He commended them in very refreshing ways. He encouraged them, though, to continue to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. But he never did even hint at the idea that you come to a place where you just stop and you're stagnant. Paul's message was, there is more to do and you can do more even though your physical capacity may be reduced. Even though in the case of Philippi there's persecution all around in the province of Macedonia, you can do more. Abound more and more. That's the phrase in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. Paul was never finished and he expected Christians to never be finished. In fact, Paul gave his own testimony in regard to spiritual strength and growth later in the Philippian letter in chapter 3. I'm going to take you to chapter 3 verses 12 to 16. Listen for the key words that indicate doing more. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Three simple words that all of us need to be able to say. I press on. Open next to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> I'm going to be moving from the latter part of chapter 12 into chapter 13 to make the point. In the Bible, chapter divisions can sometimes be misleading. Men divided the text into chapters, and when we read the Bible, we should never 
just come to the end of a chapter and stop because often the flow of thought will continue from one chapter into the next. And here is such a case in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start at 27 and then I'm going to read on into 13 and I think you'll see a connection there. So Paul to the local church in Corinth. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, the gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body up to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So there's confusion and disorder in the church at Corinth with respect to the spiritual gifts that were given. And they could find remedy not only in the instructions Paul gave, but with the attitude of love described in chapter 13. What does Paul call this? He calls it the more excellent way. In my life, love should never reach a place where it becomes static. I'll never be through with love. There will always be more love I can hold in my heart and practice in my life and seek to improve. It was always the more excellent way. And so the question remains, can we do more? Can we do more? Then the companion question is, will I do more? There is always work to do. The Lord has assigned in big churches, in smaller churches, in families, in individual lives, in hard places, in easier places. But it all begins with you and with me making the decision that we will do more as these passages clearly teach. Some of you may remember several years ago before the remodel of the auditorium, there was a framed 
paper in the foyer. And Darrell found it the other day. See if you think you remember this and let us all see if we believe this is relevant. I will do more than belong. I will participate. I will do more than care. I will help. I will do more than believe. I will practice. I will do more than pray. I will be active and godly. I'll do more than assemble. I will worship and encourage. I will do more than talk. I will get to work. I will do more than teach. I will inspire and influence. I will do more than give money. I will give myself. I will do more than just learn. I will grow based on what I'm learning. I will do more than be friendly. I will be a friend. I want to circle back now to 2 Peter 1, 3 to 11. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I will do more as a disciple of Christ, and you will do more as a disciple of Christ, the future of this church will be bright. My life and your life will rest on solid ground. People who need help will be served. Marriages and families will thrive. God will be glorified if we will do more. I can't wait around for somebody else to do more. I've got to do more myself. With all the problems and pain that we have, doing more gives us the courage to face those storms. And the problems and pain will not disappear. That's not the aim. Earthly existence will bring struggles into our lives from now on. But until the Lord comes and we die... Can we do more? Can we make our calling and election sure? I hope that is the case. Take this with you into the week and may I do so as well. Let's be standing as we sing.